This is the Commission Church Online. Welcome to our podcast. We want to be a church who brings heaven on earth through the word of God and the love of Christ. I pray this week's message blesses you. We are taking a break from our series, our sermon series in the gospel according to Matthew. Uh, And for those of y'all who know uh, that we've been in that journey, we've done 15 weeks of just being in the book of Matthew. And we made made progress into five books, okay, sorry, five chapters of the gospel according to Matthew, and we have a bunch more to go. So just get excited for that. But we're going to take a a break, uh, a four-week break as we head into the new year. Uh, just to do uh, three weeks of messages uh, on the se- on the the theme of the advent, uh, I want to title my message. We're titling the series "The Promise." Uh, this this mini series, this three part series, I'm I'm titling it "The Promise." And this morning, I'm going to talk to us about uh, t- talk to us from the subject "The Promise of God with Us" or "The Promise of Emmanuel," which is God with us. Turn with me, if you will, to Matthew chapter number one, uh, and we're going to verse number 18, and we'll read all the way to verse 25. I'll give you a backdrop of what we're going to be talking about, and then we'll get into the message. Are we good? Uh, We have the message notes for you, so if you scan that QR code, uh, if you have the Bible app, uh, it's going to pull up all the notes on the Bible app. You can add your own notes. Uh, At the end of it, make sure you save it so that it's logged away in your notes and you can put it away. For those of y'all who like to take uh, paper notes on your notebook or notepad, that's me. I love paper notes. So if that's, if that's you, a paper pen person, you're welcome to do that as well. But if you have the Bible app on your phones, this is the best way to access the notes, okay? Uh, you have the notes in there and you can just add your notes along with that. Matthew chapter number one, verse 18. Let's, let's read the word together. You can follow along in your Bibles, but I'm going to read from the ESV. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, just being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph... Son of David, do not fear. Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit's idea. She will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. Verse 22, all this, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the promise. Here's the promise, okay? Uh, spoken by the prophet. Here's the promise. Verse 23. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Not talking about Joseph and Mary here. He's talking about they, and we'll talk about who that they is in just a little bit. Shall call his name Emmanuel. Say that with me. Say Emmanuel. And what that means is God with us. Verse 24, when Joseph woke up from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son. And he called his name Jesus. 
Would you pray with me, Father? Would you speak to us through the word as we get into a festive season, this Advent season? God, give us the ability as Christians and believers not to just get caught up in the hype of the season and the cultural uh, intricacies of this season, but I pray, God, that you will give us insight to delve deep into the scriptures, to give ourselves a backdrop, to help us to give our kids a backdrop as to why we celebrate this season. And the reason of this season is Jesus. So we thank you, Lord. Would you speak to us? Give us understanding. Holy Spirit, would you allow this word to do a work in our hearts? In Jesus' name we pray and everybody said, amen. I want to give you a quick backdrop for these verses. And I know we are, there's, a, there's a wide variety of people seated here. There are people that have been raised Christians. You have been in church for a very long time. Uh, you probably grew up on the pews of the church or under the pews of the church or, uh, you know, on chairs or whatever kind of church you went to. Or if you were like me, we had uh, mats back in India when I was growing up. Uh, we didn't have chairs initially. We had mats on the floor. And we grew up on the mats of the church. And for Others of you, you might be new to the faith. You might be new to the Christian faith. Uh, you might have been a Christian for a year or two, or some of y'all a month or two. It doesn't matter. Uh, some of y'all know what the true meaning of the Christmas message is, and for others of y'all, you don't know what the true meaning of the Christmas message is. So I am very uh, conscious of the fact that I'm speaking to a very uh, a, a diverse group of people this morning. So bear with me. See, the context of the impending arrival of the promised Messiah is the Advent. When we talk about the Advent, a lot of people have uh, no understanding of what this phrase means, or they associate this phrase Advent with a lot of liturgical churches, so to speak. And we'll talk about that in just a second. Simply put, the theological way to put what the Advent means is literally this. The word Advent means coming or arrival. Coming or arrival. Simply put, that's the meaning of the word. It means coming or arrival. This season, we celebrate the Advent. We don't celebrate Christmas. We don't celebrate the cultural stuff that, that, that we sell. All that's great. All that's wonderful. We'll get, get into that in a second. But more than that, this season for the Christian is much deeper and more profound than just the tree, the decorations, and the present. It's rooted in the coming of the Savior who we call Jesus. Now, the term Advent may or may not make sense to you depending upon which church you probably grew up in. If you grew up Catholic or Presbyterian, Methodist or Anglican, you can easily identify with this term as the beginning of Advent is four Sundays before Christmas. A lot of the liturgical churches, churches have their church calendars. And they don't follow the actual calendar, which is the January to December calendar. They follow a church liturgical calendar, which always begins with the celebration of the Advent. That's four Sundays before Christmas, right? Now, we're way past that. Well, we, we, we've gone past that, so we're not following a liturgical a calendar. And this celebration involves the lighting of symbolic candles that surround the various themes of Jesus' birth. And if you were ever a part of those churches, they would light candles every week after every sermon, and you probably grew up in a church like that. For some of us, we have no clue as to what I'm talking about with the candles and, uh, and the liturgical calendar. In a non-liturgical church like ours, we don't necessarily observe Advent in the same way. 
Like I said, to, for beginners, four Sundays was, is not today. It was before, right? And, and last Sunday, we were, we were still in our series in, in the gospel according to Matthew. For us non-liturgical churches, we're used to the concept of Christmas and, and carols and plays and performances and all of that stuff. Back when we were growing up, Christmas was uh, non-existent sometimes. Well, it took a while for us to convince our parents that we need to celebrate Christmas. See, I grew up in a very strict religious home. Uh, where a Christian home, uh, we, we, we grew up to where uh, our, our parents were taught by our leadership or our church pastors that Christmas was just heathen, it was from the devil, and we shouldn't celebrate it, we shouldn't put decorations up, and no matter how much we loved to put the decorations up, we were not allowed to. Some of y'all were like, what kind of Christian were you? Okay, come after, the ch after service, I'll talk to you about it more in detail. Some of y'all sitting there and you're nodding your head and you're like, pastor, I know exactly what you're talking about. Here's the extent to which we could enjoy Christmas. We had streamers, all right? You know streamers, are you, you, these streamers, colorful streamers, we were allowed to put up streamers in our house. Now, back in the day when we did Christmas cards, they were the bifold cards. They were not the modern cards, which is just like, you know, double-sided. One side has a picture of the family. Yeah, we're a happy family. Look at our baby. She just came into the world. You're going to get one of that from us this year, too. But just, just saying, it's, it's changed. The landscape of Christmas cards has changed. Back in the day, the Bible, do you remember that? Wish you a Merry Christmas, you know, and there's this beautiful writing inside, and we would get it from all over the world, and my sister and I would get excited. We would hang these cards. We would we would string these cards all across the house and we would just hang these cards. Our dad would allow us, allow us to do it on one condition. And the condition was this. Before pastor visits the house, you need to take all the decorations down. Okay? When pastor calls and says, I am 10 minutes away, we are scrambling. Okay? My, my, like, you have not, like, you're wondering what kind of pastor. I'm telling you, I'm, I cannot make this stuff up. So my sister and I are taking down the tape. We're, we're tearing the paint off the walls. Man, it is a mess because, and then after pastor leaves, we're like, oh, we got to put all this back up again. And it happened at least two or three times during the Christmas season because pastor wants to visit during the Christmas season more than any other season. I don't know why, but. But man, it's, it's, it's different, right? So why is the concept of Advent central to the Christian faith? See, the Advent season is a theologically enriching way in which we as a church can attempt to have a meaningful conversation about the Christmas message. See, Advent is this biblical approach to address and talk about what Christians truly should be celebrating Christmas for. Allow me to break this down for us. The scene in Matthew and in Luke, in, even in Luke chapter 1, we read of this scene. In, in Matthew, it's elaborate. And I know we said we're not going to, we're stepping away from the Matthew sermon series, and technically we are, but we're going back to the passage in Matthew that we discussed, you know, like 12 weeks ago uh, that we discussed. And, 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 in, and in Luke chapter 1 and Matthew chapter 1, Mary is this teenage girl. At the age of 13 or 14, we don't know the def de definitive age, but here's this young woman that has been committed to marry this man. This man called Joseph. Joe is this handsome looking man who happens to be a carpenter by trade, all right, working with his dad or working by himself. He loves to work with his hands and he commits himself to be married to this woman called Mary. They are betrothed to be married. The angel suddenly appears, and, and this is one year of preparation from the time that a couple says, hey, we're going to get married. They take a year then, the Jewish people would take a year then to prepare for this marriage celebration. 
as much as it was assumed that they were already married at that point, they would take one year, the man would take one year to prepare the home. The families would take time to bring in the money and to raise the money to afford the food and the clothing and the celebration, which was, you know, which was big, which was wonderful. It was a process of one year. And during this one year, something crazy happens. An angel appears to this little girl called Mary. And he says, do not be afraid because, and, and Mary says, what? He says, he says, the Lord is with you. She's like, that's encouraging to hear. But then that doesn't stop there. He follows that up and he says, you will have a baby and you will name him Jesus. And I'm pretty sure she's like, oh Lord, I've been dreaming about this day. I know I'm going to have a baby at some point in time. Let's get married first. You know, that's the proper step. My parents have raised me right. But, and she looks at him and says, but how can this be? I'm a virgin. I cannot physically have a baby. And the Holy Spirit says, through the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay, cool. I don't know how I'm going to explain that to my parents. <laughs> Let alone my parents. I don't know how I'm going to explain that to Joe back at the wood shop. Am I, am I talking to somebody? Like, that's going to be a conversation to be had. So they're planning this wedding, and Mary says, hey, you want to go date night? Sure, let's go date night. They're sharing a bazooki together over dessert, and she looks into Big Joe's eyes, and she says, hey, boo. He looks back and says, sup, sugar muffin? She says, she says, she says, I have good news for you, Joe. And he's thinking, man, she's finally said yes to the dress. She's picked the florist. She's picked the caterer. She's picked all the colors. I have nothing else to do. Thank you, Jesus. Every man's dream, right? Like we just had a wedding yesterday. Betty and Josh, you guys are here. I don't know. Uh, yeah, did they hear? No, no, not yet. Not yet. They're probably outside. We'll be praying for them. Too. We just had their wedding. Every guy just wants the girl to do everything right? Like that was my, I was like, hey babe, you just handle everything. I'm just going to be lazy. You know, like I, but we use the words, we'll support you with everything. <laughs> so he's hoping that everything's done, but Mary breaks it to him and says, no boo, I'm pregnant. I'm pregnant. And guess what? Guess what? You're not the dad. <laughs> Who's the dad then? Babe, you won't believe it, but it's God. What? Like, this is a, an episode of Maury unfolding right in front of Joseph's eye. I'm, anybody watch Maury? Yes? <laughs> Do they slap Maury? I yeah, Jerry and I watch Maury. Yeah. <laughs> like, when I first moved to the United States, let me tell you this. My favorite show, Rebecca, was Maury. <laughs> Love Maury. Two o'clock to three o'clock. Two episodes back to back. I love the, the, let's find out who is the father after this commercial break, you know? Like, so, so we're, we're here, and, and it's this episode of Maury unfolding in the middle of BJ's brew house, and, 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 and Maury, like, I'm, I'm telling you, right? And then both of these guys, they're, they're, like, they're like at it. There's this hostile tension that's happening, and, and it's like, Maury, don't go anywhere. We'll be right back to find out who's the father. Is it Carpenter Joe, or is it God Almighty? Come on. Joe's a good man. He is a good, good man. The Bible says he doesn't want to humiliate her. He doesn't want her to get stoned because back in the day, if you broke your marriage vow, if you were betrothed to be married and you didn't fulfill that, that, that commitment, if you were, you know, you did something, they, man, you were getting stoned, you were getting killed. 
And he says, man, I just want to break off this engagement without anybody knowing. And out of nowhere, the angel appears to him, looks at him and says, Joe, you better watch out because here's the thing. This is not your idea. This wasn't her idea. This is a God-given blessing. He says, I, she is for real. She is actually telling the truth. This is a divine blessing given by God. Isaiah 7 and verse 14, the Bible says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin will come with child and bear a son, and she will call his name Emmanuel. It was the same word, the promise that was given years and years ago. So Joseph is not only getting a verbal reminder, he's also getting a written word. He's saying, man, you go back and read the word. This has been promised. And guess what? You are the chosen you're going to be wife. You're soon going to be wife. She's the chosen one. I want to remind somebody today, I don't know how impossible your situation looks, but I want to remind somebody that no situation that is impossible is impossible for my God. My God, with all things, all things are possible through my God who is above the impossible. Come on, can I hear an amen? See, often culture defines Christmas by certain parameters. The tree, the decorations, the holidays, the shopping, the gifts under the tree, the food, Santa Claus and everything else. And trust me, I'm not dogging on any of that stuff. I'm not, I'm not here to squash it. I'm not going to be your pastor that was growing up to say, you know what, let's not do anything. We're going to have fun for the kids. They're going to be here in PJs. I don't know if y'all just got somebody, somebody said, Rincey was like, why can't we wear PJs too? Just wear PJs if y'all want. I'm not wearing PJs. Just like, just like letting you know, okay? Like, let's do all of that. Let's have the hot chocolate. Santa Claus will be here on the 25th, okay? We're going to have a good time taking pictures. And all that is great. All that is wonderful. But not to belittle Christmas or the flair of the season. But what is the real reason for Christmas? To celebrate the birthday of Jesus, Pastor. Does anybody celebrate the birthday of a dead person? Anybody here? Like, I know we all have people that we've lost in our lives. We remember them, but nobody, like, on their birthday says, hey, let's, let's get a cake. Let's cut the cake, let's blow the candles, let's sing happy birthday to the person that's dead. No, it doesn't happen that way. We only celebrate birthdays of people that are alive. See, the reason Christians celebrate Christmas is because that the Jesus that we worship is not a dead God. He is a God that is alive and he will, come on, am I, am I talking to somebody? That's the reason we celebrate Christmas. Let's not lose focus of that. It's time to remind our children about that. This is a perfect opportunity for each one of us to share this beautiful gospel message that the Jesus that we worship is not a dead Jesus. It's not a baby Jesus. It is a savior. It is God with us. That is what we're celebrating. Because even on that day, he looked at them and said, God is with you. You, know, you think you're not going to be able to do this? Don't worry. I am with you. I don't know what situation you're going through that you think that you're not going to be able to come through. I'm telling you something. If God is with you, who can be against you? My God is Emmanuel. His name is Emmanuel. We don't celebrate. I mean, like, think about it, right? We love birthdays. Imagine this. It's your birthday. You have a party, surprise party. Everybody's like, oh, man, surprise. It's your birthday. Yay, it's my birthday. They all come together. You know, you sit at the dinner table. The cake is out there. You're like, yeah, it's your birthday. Yeah, it's my birthday. And then they bring all the presents and 
Like, yeah, it's your birthday. Yeah, we get it. All right, cool. Let's, and then they t- take all the presents out and all the birthday gifts out and they give it to one another. They give it to one another. Wait, hold on. You said surprise. That was for me, right? Like, you said it was your birthday, right? Like, like doesn't this sound so common? Like, like, what does this remind you of today? Like, like, I feel like there are things that have taken over Christmas and we're not using this opportunity to remind ourselves and remind our kids and remind our community and remind our people and the people around us that the reason for the season is Emmanuel. It is God with us. Gift giving has become a part of the Christmas culture. But I'm telling you this, Christmas will be meaningless and empty if you don't understand the power of the promise given to this human race. His name was Jesus. And the promise was, he's, it's just not a name, but he is with you. This is good, y'all. That's the promise. Like I said, the word Advent means coming or arrival. Christmas in its truest sense is a reminder of the coming of Jesus Christ in human form. The coming of the Savior of the world. The coming of the Messiah. In Isaiah chapter 9, the Bible talks about the people that were just waiting for the Messiah. 400 years of silence. There's there's years and years gone by without people knowing what was going on. They haven't heard the voice of God. We talked about this in the first installment of the, the gospel according to Matthew. People haven't heard the voice of God. And all of a sudden, the reminder is coming. Hey, unto you a child is going to be given. Unto you a son is... This, this is exciting stuff. And after those promises that were given to the people of Israel, finally, this promise is coming alive. There was a king that was promised. He's greater than Moses. It's our duty to have a biblical foundation. And that's what I want to do today. See, this Advent is both the first coming and it's also the second coming of Jesus, y'all. The, Christ, the Christian has reason to celebrate Christmas, not just because of the first coming of Jesus, but you know what excites me more than the first coming? Oh, I, I don't know if you get this, and I don't know if you're excited as much as I am, but what excites me more is both not just the celebration, but also the anticipation. See, to celebrate the, to celebrate the arrival of the Messiah as Savior, that's great, that's awesome, that's good news, that's the message of salvation. But once you're saved, the anticipation of Jesus coming back again on the clouds to take us up with Him, that's what Christmas is all about. I cannot wait for that day that Jesus will come back, the trumpets will blow, and oh, come on somebody. That's the advent that I look forward to every Christmas. And I get to teach my kids that too. A year ago, I still remember we were putting this, two years ago, I made this manger out of a few uh, pallets that, uh, there was a bunch of pallets that were lying around in my backyard. And and I I took them down, stripped them down, and I actually made a manger, a wooden manger out of it. And I put it out in my front yard. The girls were super excited. They were old enough to understand what it was. They were like, Dada, that's so amazing. Dada, did you make that? I said, I made it, baby. But I put some hay in it. The girls were super confused. The girls were like, but dad, there's something missing. I'm like, what are you talking about, baby? She said, there's a baby missing. Where's baby Jesus? I said, oh, well, good point. Like, like, we need a baby Jesus. So I said, go get a baby Jesus. Go get a baby Jesus. So they said, do we need a black Jesus, a brown Jesus, a white Jesus? Because they have all dolls and all colors. So they were like, what? I said, it doesn't matter. Just get something. 
They come and they put it out. That night it rains and I'm like, go get the baby back. We ain't about to have so molded babies inside. That. I said, go bring it back. All right, let's. And they're like, but there's no baby. And I was like, babies, I want y'all to understand this. That's not what I'm excited about. I'm, 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 I'm rejoicing in the fact that he sent his son in the form of a baby at one point of time. That's great. I'm celebrating that. But man, the empty manger is so much more delightful because of the promise. I am pumped for the final promise, the day that Jesus will come back riding in the clouds and looking at you and me and saying, good, well done, my good and faithful servant. That is the advent and the coming and the arrival that, oh, come on, I'm preaching this morning. But between these two advents, we have a promise of Emmanuel. That was the goal. Between these two promises, what about now? The promise of now is that I will be with you. I thought it was only when you came, Jesus. And I thought it's only when you come back, Jesus. But what about in between? That's why the first promise that was given was, I am a God that will be with you. Oh, this is good. I don't know if you're getting this. What a comfort, y'all. What a comfort that I can go to sleep tonight and I can tell my kids that it's just not a Jesus that we're looking forward to, but man, I'm excited that Jesus is still with us. He is in our midst. He is in our church. He is in our families. He is in our, in, in our family prayers, in the times in our conversations with our co Jesus is with us. But this promise doesn't come lightly. It comes with some caveats, y'all. There are two things about this promise that I want to talk about and I want to close today. Are y'all ready for this? The first thing is this, it's an offensive promise. This promise is an offensive promise. God with us, Emmanuel. I'll talk about the glory soon, but there's glory and offense associated with this promise. And I've said this a million times before and I'll go on saying this. Be warned, if you associate yourself with Jesus, you will share in the offense and the glory of Jesus. You cannot separate the glory of Jesus from the offense of Jesus. I'm getting into it. Just kind of go with me, okay? See, the message of Christianity is about a cross and a crown, just not a crown. Jesus says that, man, if you follow me, you have to take up your cross. So what's the offense in that, Pastor? Matthew 1.23, the Bible again reminds us, Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Why is this offensive? This would be super offensive to most of the world religions and most of the world cultures. They cannot comprehend the idea that God became man. How is that even possible? It's offensive. You cannot equate God to man. You, that cannot and will not and should not happen is what the world says. But the Bible says, God became man and he came to us. The Bible tells us, man, that there's only one God. I want you to, I want you to know this. In this pantheistic world that we live in, I want to remind you again and again, there is only one God. Shout it out from the rooftops, tell your friends, tell your neighbors, tell everybody that you know that there is only one God. When the Jews woke up in the morning, they had a Shema that they prayed every single day. And the Shema was this, Shema Israel Adonai Elohinu Adonai Echad, which means, oh hear, oh Israel, there is only one God. He made a covenant with Jews and through them, all of them would know. And let me tell you something, all other gods are idols. 
The God of the Bible is exclusive, has been exclusive, and will always be exclusive. This is offensive to the pantheistic world because the world wants everybody on the same page, everybody to get together, everybody just peace and harmony with no, 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 no. This is an exclusive message. It's not a message of tolerance. Jesus is the only one in all of history that said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. It is an exclusive message. And because of that, it's an offensive message. God with us. The fact that he came in human form. And not only did he say I came in human form, but I'm with you now. What? You're not a transcendent? You're not somebody that we cannot, like, like we have to achieve you? Like we, 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 we don't have to do things in order for, you, for us to, rec- no, 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 no. No, that's not how it works. He's with you. Wow. Wow. The second one is it's a glorious promise. I'm going to close with this. It's a glorious promise. See, it's important for us to never forget the glorious nature of the Christmas story. Don't forget the glorious nature. Look at somebody and say, don't forget the glorious nature. See, there's a, because there's a problem with popular stories. Whether it's the story of Noah or the story of Jonah or the Moses parting the sea, David and Goliath. Have you, do you remember back when we first heard that story? Back in Sunday school, in kids' church, whatever it was, we were awed by those stories. Wow, a whale ate a man and nothing happened to him? There was a big flood and everybody died except, you know, and he had to be with, like, animals. It, it's, it wows you. The Christmas story is, is a story like that, but so after some time when it's said over and over and over again, it loses its edge. It doesn't penetrate our hearts anymore because of its familiarity. You know, but I get excited every single time in the middle of, oh, Christmas is very heathen. It's a heathen holiday. The church should not celebrate Christmas. Don't encourage Christmas. It's heathen. I walk into the malls. I walk into the stores, man. There's so much rejoicing. There's so much of, you know, I hear carols. How many of y'all love, like, I don't know people. Y'all go in the malls anymore? Anybody? <laughs> no, nobody goes to the malls anymore. You remember one, once upon a time when going to the mall was the coolest thing ever? <laughs> like, you know what I'm talking about? You want to go to the mall today? Like, how many of you ever said that? And that was like the coolest, yeah. Hanging out of the mall was the best thing ever. But you walk into it in the Christmas season and man, you hear the music. It's amazing. Christmas music is amazing. Santa Claus is coming. We wish you a Merry Christmas. We wish you a Merry Man, I get it. But, but, but. Yeah, it's heathen, Brother Osher. It is heathen. You shouldn't be listening. You shouldn't be encouraged. You shouldn't be even saying that from the stage. No, no, no. But do you also hear the songs that says, fall on your knees? Oh, hear the angel voice. You remember that? Like, do you, do you remember the song, Christ the Savior is born? Or hark the herald angels sing glory to the newborn Or hark the herald angels sing glory to the newborn king. Peace on earth and mercy. Peace on earth and mercy. God and what? Sinners reconcile. I don't know what heathen you're talking about. Born that man no more may die. Born to raise the sons of earth. Born to give them second birth. Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him. Joy to the world. Let the earth receive their king. It's an intercessory prayer, y'all. 
And I am joyful that in the malls, the Hindu and the Muslim and the agnostic and the atheist and the, come on somebody, they get to hear this music. Hmm. In the malls, I wish this drives into the hearts of people. I wish people allow it to sink in. Let this season be an opportunity for people to see the glorious Jesus, the true Jesus. Let's not minimize this season. Every song we sing has power, has depth, has meaning, has, has so much of intensity in it that it can change lives. Jesus, God with us. Wow. Who's Matthew referring to when he says us? Like the Jews? The Americans, sincere people, good people, humble people, like in war, which side is God on? When elections happen, whose side is God on? Like I always get like, I, I, I chuckle when two, two like, like church teams are playing one another and they're like, flag football, Lord Jesus, help us to win. No, Lord Jesus, help us to win. Bro, you both are praying to the same. You think he's worried about your game? No. Sorry, I had to just put that out there. Out of all the prophetic phrases used to describe Jesus, Matthew chooses Emmanuel. I want you to, I want you to understand the depth of this, right? The gospel writers use Emmanuel, or, or, or they, they hear when the angel talks about it, the angel, angel, angel declares it. And he says, Emmanuel, like why? Why only that? There were so many other phrases. It could have been, man, the son of Bethlehem or the king or the head crusher, right? These were all like, you know what I'm talking about? Like, like miracle maker or man of suffering. There were all these phrases they could have used, but they said, Emmanuel. He said, God with us. To give them a gentle reminder the angel was reminding them, hey, I know this is going to be a hard pill to swallow. I know this is going to be a tough journey to walk through. But I want to remind you that God is with you. Matthew is also writing to the early church. The angel is appearing in a time where, you know, the, the, the church was not going through suffering. They were not going through persecution. But Matthew is recounting and re writing this, this gospel when the church is actually going through a lot of persecution. Christians had to meet secretly in caves. Our freedom to meet here, man, in this country is, is so great, is amazing. Like, I think we downplay it many times as, as, as isn't the case for the rest of the world. We've talked about this before. Like, what are the general questions on a Sunday morning for you guys? Thank you. Who said that? Thank you. What, what am I going to wear? Do I wear red? Do I wear my Dolce and Gabbana? Or do I do my Armani? I don't know. How do I smell today? Like, like some of you are like, what do I eat after this message is done? Like some of y'all are yelping it right now. Come on. You know what I'm, you, you know who I'm talking to. Like, is it Mexican? Is it Indian? Is it... Sushi, I don't. Bro, I'm preaching a life-changing message here and some of y'all are thinking about food. <laughs> I 
But you see what I'm saying, right? Like, these are the things, like, like, will I like the music in church today? I wonder who's playing the drums. Like, I wish it's Andrew. Like, I like that guy. When my friends come to church, like, I hope she comes to church. Oh, it's going to be boring. When I have a nap, and like, there are guys here wondering if their fantasy team will win, and they're going to make playoffs, okay? Some imaginary team that we all, like, manage. Like, Jeff and Chris, they're in the front row, all right? They, they have a matchup today that's going to either make it or break it. Like, one of them is going to make the, and they've been stressing all week about it. I've been egging them on. I'm pretty sure y'all are thinking about it, you know what I'm saying? No, they're good. they're good. That's why I brought them to the front row, both of them. <laughs> but if you live back then, they didn't care about their fantasy team, y'all. They didn't care about the food. The, these were not the questions. The questions that they asked were, will I get caught on my way to the way? The way is what they called that gathering back then. Like, is that, is, is that going to happen? Like, are we going to get caught? Are we going to be imprisoned? Are we going to be chained? Come on, some, am I going to be stopped in the marketplace and asked the question, were you at the foot of the cross? Hmm. They didn't have signs outside the church saying, come as you are. They didn't have flags and banners and have coffee and donuts out there. No, 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 no. They didn't have any of those luxury. They just wanted to make sure that they could worship Jesus and they were not caught. They were not crucified. They were not dragged through the streets. Those were the things that kept them up at night. And Matthew is writing during this time, during a time of persecution. And the name that is given to Jesus and the name that the angel is reminding Mary and Joseph is that you will have a son. His name will be Emmanuel, God with us. Even in this dictatorship and the persecution, God is with us. Matthew's reminding the church, I will be with you even till the end of time. That's the word of God. Jesus in his, in his earthly ministry, there was one thing that he kept reminding them. I will be with you. I would not leave you. I would not forsake you. Because I live, you will also live. God with you. Who is the you that he talks about? It's you. It's me. It's the church. In time immemorial, that message is relevant. It's message for today. It's the message for the sinner. It's the message for the saint. It's the message for the person that is in church, out of church. The person that doesn't know Jesus. God with us. That's what gets Matthew towards the end of his gospel in Matthew 28, verse 18, to say, and Jesus came to them and said, all authority on heaven and earth is, in, is given to me. Go therefore and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always. Behold, I'm with you always. Church. That's your encouragement. The promise of Christmas is that he will be with you always. He has not left your side no matter how abandoned you feel, no matter how sad you are, no matter what season in life you're going through, no matter what tears you have shed, no matter what valley you have passed through, I want to remind you that we serve a God of the Advent who arrived and not just arrived and disappeared. He is still here. He is still reigning. He is still on the throne and he is still God with you. That's the heart of the gospel. Band, you guys can get ready to come up. 
Like imagine inviting someone on a Sunday to their service and saying, man, we don't have building. We don't have a building. Like it's a cave. Like would you come to church with me? It's a cave. We're going to a cave. We don't have lights. We don't have a great lobby. We don't have amazing Starbucks coffee. Like it's a cave. Like we don't have a greeter team. We don't have anybody. We don't have comfortable seats. It's a cave. But you know what we have? We have God with us. I can assure you of that, that we have God with us. Church, may I remind you this morning, if we are a church that is known as a church that has God with us, healings and miracles, signs and wonders will happen. We just ought to make sure that we lift the name of Jesus and make sure that Jesus is present and invited every single time we say a word and we declare something. I want to encourage you with this, y'all. See, the conviction is what motivated them and fueled a flame within the early church to carry this great commission and with, with great grit, with great intensity, which they all did, even if they had to put their life on the line. Can you give me like five more minutes? Five more minutes? Here's my question that I want to ask you. If God is with us, what part of the great commission are we not able to fulfill? Because that's exactly what he said. Lo and behold, I will be with you. Like going there for baptized people. Like what part of it? The baptizing part? The sharing part? The expressing part? The telling, Je- telling people that Jesus is my Lord? Telling people that Jesus is my Savior? Like Jesus died on the cross for me? Part? Y'all, this blows my mind. How many people will stand there and say, I don't want to take a stand for Jesus. I'll tell people about the restaurants I went to last week. I'll tell people about the food I ate last week. I will post reviews. I'll do all of that. But Jesus, man, that's awkward. I don't know about that, brother. Like, why are we ashamed? If this is the greatest promise, then why aren't we more passionate about this? Historians actually say this, y'all. People said, Emmanuel... God with us in everything that they did back in that church in the way during that time. It was like a benediction. It was like a phrase. It was like a word of encouragement. Like someone say, praise God. Or someone would say, amen. Or hallelujah. Someone say, hey brother, man, I'm praying. They would say, Emmanuel, God is with us. Because it required it. Because the moments that people would wonder, man, is God with us? Like we just saw the cross. We just saw Jesus dying. I know he reappeared, but it doesn't seem like it. Like Nero is beheading people. Like the church is going through suffering and violence and people are being dragged through streets and men, that people are being crucified for this message. Is this even meant to be? How many of y'all ever been there before that you've embarked on something and all you see is opposition and opposition and opposition and the question you ask is, was this meant to be? Because I understand what the church is going through. But in all of it, the brothers and sisters would come together and say, God is with us. Don't be discouraged, Chris. God is with us. Don't be discouraged, Jeff. God is with us. I know you're going to the darkest valley, Shibby, but God is with us. I want to encourage somebody, no matter what you're going through, and you might think that people don't understand, and you might 
you might think that, man, God's not with you, but I want to remind you that the God that was is the God that is, and the God that is is the God that will always be. He's always on the throne. He's the same, unchanging Jesus. His name is Emmanuel. Historians would say that when martyrs were killed, as they were being killed, you know what their last words were? Emmanuel, God with us. You know what that meant when Luke was hung to death? Right before those things came from under his feet, that platform came, his last words were looking at everybody around him. God is still with us. As Mark's bones were crushed, as he was dragged by horses, his words were probably, God, with us. As Matthew bled out, as he had a sword pierced up his body, his last words were probably, God, with us. When James was thrown down a mountain or Bartholomew was whipped to death as he gasped, gasped for air, his last words were probably, God with us. When Andrew was being crucified or Thomas was being speared in India as Jude stood in front of a squad of archers and had arrows pierced through his body, as Matthias was stoned and beheaded and as Paul was tortured and beheaded, they would scream and probably shout as to motivate others that they should not fear and they should go on believing by encouraging them that this what is happening with me doesn't change the fact that God is still with us. And I want to encourage somebody this morning, no matter how impossible your situation might be, the word of the God, the word of the Lord this morning is God with you. Stand up to your feet, church. And because he is Emmanuel, because he is God with you, he knows what's going on with you. He's not a God that says, I'm with you and has no clue as to what's going on in your life. I may do that. I might be a pastor, but I might have no clue as to what's going on in your life. I only know as much as you let me know. But Emmanuel is different. When he is with you he knows every single detail about your life he knows the ins he knows the outs he knows the negatives he knows the positives he knows what's 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 putting you down he knows what's dragging you behind he knows every single detail of your life and i want to encourage you that god is with you For some of us that are in, they're ashamed i'm asking man what are you ashamed about what part of the great commission are you not fulfilling today what part of the, I am with you, are you not understanding today? For some of us, it's the next step we need to take in our walk with Christ. Oh, I asked Jesus into my life, but what about being baptized? What about saying, Pastor, I want to follow that up with saying, I want to be baptized in water. That's probably your next step. For some of us, it's a, man, I've been baptized in water, I don't know what, the next step is maybe being filled in the Holy Spirit being baptized in the Holy Spirit, knowing the power of the Holy Spirit in your life and knowing what the Holy Spirit can do. And there's always a next step. If you're confused about your next step, come and talk to me. I would love to give you your first step. I would love to talk with you and say, hey, this is your first next step. For some of y'all, 
is to get out of your shell and start serving the community, serving the church, serving people in the church, serving people outside of the church, being available. Your testimony can make a difference. How can you do it? Three things I want to encourage you with. One, wear his name. Wear his name. Two, bear his name. Three, share his name. Don't hold back. Wear it with pride. Wear the name of Jesus with all the pride in the world, saying, this is a person that changed my life forever. Second thing is bear the name. Always make sure that you are making sure that you spread the name of Jesus. Like you are talking about you. You have that name. You're carrying that name inside of your life. And the last one is sharing the name. Let people know who your Savior is. Thank you for listening. We love bringing you the word on so many different platforms. We are so thankful for what God is doing in and through us. We'd love for you to subscribe so you don't miss out. And don't forget to share this message if it has blessed you.